AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk. Comedians or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Today's episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, and welcome to the podcast. This is Alice Mattermilk, the science editor at HowStuffWorks.com. And this is Robert Lamb, science writer at HowStuffWorks.com. And if, uh, let me stop you right now because this is actually a second, the second part of a two-part series. Yeah, we left you, uh, last time with, uh, the search for offshore oil and we left you in a real cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, unless you didn't listen to the last one, in which case you have no idea what we're talking about. You're very but, confused. But yeah, in the last, uh, just to catch you up, previously on Lost, this is what happened. Um, <laughs> We, uh, we, we were talking about how, um, how oil companies sniff out, uh, and, and actually listen for, uh, the, um, uh, the telltale signs of petroleum hidden under the sea floor. Right. And when they think they've, they've found something, they dig these exploratory wells and, you know, get a, get a core sample, figure out what exactly is going down there, do some tests on the, on, the, on what they find. And uh, if if it looks like it's going to be profitable, it looks like they can actually um, uh, live off this thing for ten to twenty years. Then uh, then it's time to uh, start harvesting the oil. Yeah, and production. that's where we are now, harvesting the oil. Harvesting that yeah. makes me think of like you know corn in the ocean or something like that. Yeah. Well, again, it, this all st- this stuff all used to be uh, biomass. So. That's true. Yeah. Very good point, Robert. 
Yeah. So a lot of this is based on your your article, how offshore drilling works, which um, we are going to refer you guys to. And we did a little bit in the last uh, in the last podcast as well, it's just because sometimes it's hard to picture. And especially as we get into some of these platforms uh, today, you may just want to check them out. Mm hmm. Over on the site and in the article. Yeah, yeah, we've got some cool illustrations and, and a lot of really jazzy photos of uh, offshore oil rigs. Right. So production gets going, and what are you going to need to do? You need an area. You need to you need a staging area to get all that oil up. So you're going to build a uh, production platform for the duration. Mm-hmm. And these platforms, you have to they have to be stable. You don't want men, you know, just tossed overboard or women if they uh, choose to work on an offshore rig. And so the the rigs are attached to the ocean floor and using like a metal and concrete foundation. And they also have these tethering cables. Right. And again, this comes into play when you think about some of the spots that these offshore rigs are going to be. I mean, the North Sea, crazy environment. You got to make sure that sucker is stable. Yes. It's like a constant storm. And, uh, and you're, you know, you're looking to basically tether it, uh, tether the production line, you know, from the uh, facility to the ocean floor. So, um, you know, it, it becomes a little, uh, a little tricky at times. Right. And then one platform can have as many as 80 wells. That's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you, you're you putting in all this effort to, to get it out there. Uh, you're going to want to maximize its efficiency. Right. Of course. Um, and uh, and as as everyone, uh, it, I think a lot of you may remember from uh, There Will Be Blood, uh, there's a, a such thing as directional drilling. Right. The I, I drink your milkshake thing, you know. Uh, where, which means that you don't just have to drill straight down. You can, you can drill at angles. Right. You know, and then you can maximize the area that you can drill into. Right. And states have been known to do this. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I think California has done some directional drilling. If you can make the case, um, that you have a right to do so. And I'm sure there's more to it than that. But, um. Yeah. It basically comes down to like. If you can prove. Yeah. That it's your oil over there. It's, it's, it gets kind of snaky. I mean, it's that's right. So let's let's take you down to the uh, to the oil well. Uh, yeah, you're going to want to install a subsea drilling template. Uh, that's going to be really important. And that's it's kind of what it sounds like. Uh, you know, if like if you're you're putting down a stencil or something, to, mm-hmm. you know, to, to cut out a pattern, it's basically like a big uh, you know metal box with a bunch of holes in it uh, that directs the the drilling. Right. So yeah. instead of sticking your pencil to draw a circle through the stencil, mm-hmm. you're going to stick your big old drill bit through that, uh, through that well. Yeah. And they're pretty crazy drill bits too. Um, like, you know, it's not just a big, uh, you know, pointed drill. It's more like a, <laughs> then it's like revolving heads with uh, either like steel or industrial diamond, um, uh, uh, like uh, teeth in it. It looks, Kind of like a, if you've ever seen like a microscopic view of a parasite's head, like a tapeworm's head, they kind of look like that, like just kind of crazy and awful. Well, you had a, a nice analogy in your article and you uh, said that the, the drill kind of looks like tent poles, right? Oh, yeah. And yeah, the full structure of it, because because you're going to be drilling miles into the uh, floor of the ocean. And so you're hoping you're not going to, but chances are yeah, you might have to. Right. So the drill can't, you know, come in one long piece, you know, because that's going to stretch forever. So it needs to come apart and it comes apart basically like a giant tent pole in the different lengths. Right. It has these um, multiple 30 foot drill pipes that are screwed mm-hmm. together. And the whole the whole unit is called a drill string. Although, again, maybe they should just call them tent poles. So and then connected to the the poles, if you will, on the top is you have this um, sort of platform that's rotating the drill string. Mm-hmm. And at the other end, you have, of course, your bit that's you know charging through the earth in search of oil. Now, it's important to note that, that this drill, though, is uh, is inside of something called a marine riser, mm-hmm. which 
think of it as like a like, like a protective casing. Yeah, like an umbilical cord or something. Um, it's kind of like how I think of it. You know, it's like there's a or just a bundle. Like it's just a, a protective bundle that, mm-hmm. that all this equipment's going in, and it you know. So it's sense. not just free form. If you're a fish going by, you're not gonna you know encounter the drill bit. It's encased. Right. Okay. Yeah. And the bit is is actually kind of cool, lest you think it's just some random drill bit. It could be uh, embedded with diamonds, um, or it could be like a trio of rotating interlocking bits with these you yeah. know, fearsome steel teeth. Yeah, parasite head. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's what you're going for. Now I got you, Robert. <laughs> and you think about how hard this bit is working, you know, gnawing through the earth. So you know, chances are it'll have to be replaced because it's going to grow dull, and it's, it's coming against some pretty tough uh, materials within the earth. You've probably heard of drilling mud um, from uh, recent coverage of the uh, oil spill. And uh, a drilling mud, uh, mud is used ag- basically to lubricate the drill. I mean, it's used for a number of different purposes, but one of the, the key ones at this stage is to lubricate the drill and keep it going. It's a thick, viscous fluid, uh, consists of clay, water, a uh, mixture of uh, special chemicals. And, uh, yeah, it, dr- it, uh, it lubricates the drill bit, it seals the wall of the well, and it controls the pressure inside the well. Um and uh, in, in, in this, it actually serves as like the first line of defense against uh, um, a blowout because you're drilling down. One thing to keep in mind, you're drilling down into some pressurized areas. So, I mean, that's the whole like, oh, I've struck oil and it comes spewing out. And, you know, you don't really want a lot of oil spewing out. That's generally what, no, not so what we try and prevent yeah. uh, with offshore oil drilling. Indeed. Um, well, so related to the drilling mud is you're going to have something called a blowout prevention system. And again, I mean, I feel like you guys have probably heard of a blowout prevention system. What with all the coverage? Um, so this is built so that if pressurized oil and gas gush up the well, the be the bop. I like that. The bop. The bop. Uh, it's supposed to seal the well off with a uh, hydraulic valves and ramps. And then it's going to reroute the well fluids into these containment systems. Okay. So. Yes, it failed in BP's case. So, and there's some allegations that I was reading right before we went into recording uh, that tests of these blowout preventers were either falsified or, um, in fact, the the BOPs weren't adequately tested at all. So, mm. so it's not a failsafe. But let's let's get to the drilling process. Let's start going into the into the earth. Yeah, like the best way to think about it um, is to think of don't think of it as drilling a hole. Like think of it as boring a tunnel. Like, yeah, because it's basically, and you know, sometimes it's not even a vertical uh, shaft, you know. But, but yeah, think of it as a tunnel. Like, have you ever seen uh, like uh, any of the old, uh, you know, Stalag Seventeen, uh, the Great Escape type movies? You know, where they're they're building the tunnel to escape, uh, you know, a Nazi, uh, you know, um, uh, prisoner of war camp. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, the, you have to actually support the tunnel you're building. Yes. And uh, and it can get kind of elaborate, you know, as you're building, you're actually building walls in there, you know, et cetera. Right. You want to make sure it doesn't collapse. So you have to build right. casing in, right? Right. And that's that's what's going on. So like uh, they're drilling down, then they pull the drill out and they install casing. Well, let's 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 back it up for one sec. You got your initial surface hole. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how big you picture this. I didn't have a real clear idea of how big that surface hole would be. And so a lot of times it's about a foot and a half. Yeah. You got to you got to start small. Reinforce, bore bigger, reinforce. Like it's it's a gradual thing. It's not just all right. Drive the drill, and you know, we'll break for lunch when we hit oil. No, you've got to you've got to build. It's something you build. Mm-hmm. Really, you're building something, not just digging something. Right. You're boring, and then you're reinforcing with the casing. Mm-hmm. So once you once you get into the next phase, once you uh, drill about several hundred to several thousand feet, uh, and you move past that initial surface hole, you're gonna start uh, busting out the 12 inch drill bit. And you're mm-hmm. going to dig that well even deeper. 
And again, you're going to, you know, repeat that whole process of taking out the drill string and packing up the, the tunnel that you're building with casing. You're going to reinforce it. Mm-hmm. And then your, your last part, the, the part that's going to get you really excited if you're searching for offshore oil is the, the bottom hole. And this is the final stretch. And again, it's lined with the casing. And uh, another important thing to note is that, you know, while you're doing all this, you know, boring down and, and reinforcing of the, the tunnel, um, you're going to have this device and it's called a packer. Yeah, I kind of think of it as a robot. I think it's I think it qualifies as a robot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it just follows down and it's uh, you know, expanding uh, the walls, making sure everything is sealed. Right. And just kind of like fine tuning everything. Kind of I it, I can't help but sort of picture it like the thing in Labyrinth. Remember the. The, the drill looking thing that comes down the, ah, never mind. Um, <laughs> I was so, looking a little blank. So, uh, so anyway, the, the, the thing that, uh, that was really interesting to me when I first was researching this is that once the drill hits petroleum, uh, you think it's like, all right, let's start. Now we finally hit it. We've opened it up. The first thing they do is seal that sucker. Yeah. This did <laughs> strike me as well. Yeah. They, uh, they put something called a production casing in, which, all right. It, it, think of it this way. Imagine you bored a hole in the side of a dam, all right? Yeah. All right. And then you took a you you took a glove, all right, and you stuck one gloved finger through, right? Yes. All right. And then you like were and ignoring pressure and all that, you were able to remove your hand, and so you have that hole is stopped by this uh, glove tip that's going through to the other side. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now imagine that with the oil uh, well. There's basically this this. This finger, this, uh, you know, this steel finger, like this, uh, this production casing that's sticking down into the oil, right? And it's sealed, right? Yes. Because, and then I'm going to hit another analogy here. Like if you have a, uh, <laughs> if you have some, like some sort of tea and with a bunch of ice in it, or I don't know, margaritas or whatever. Okay. You know, it's got, or sangria is a better example. Okay. You have a big picture of sangria. Lots we have of, a finger, we have a steel no, no, finger, okay. and now we have sangria. Okay. okay. <laughs> no, the sangria. All right. So you've got like a lot of fruit and ice and all sorts of stuff in there, right? Yes. And you go to pour and you don't, let's say you don't want all that stuff coming out of the pitcher because you have a strainer. Yes. So that's basically what they're going for here is they want to control the flow and they don't want everything in the world just flowing up all the all the petroleum and uh, and all the gunk that's in it just skyrocketing to the surface. So they want to prevent a geyser from right. happening and they also want to ensure the integrity of of what they're bringing in. Right. Yeah. So they basically go down there and poke holes in that finger uh, then that that gloved finger that's uh, that's down there in the production casing, right? Like, and they poke those holes with explosives. Yeah, it's right? like so you're probably not poking holes with explosives all the time, right? That's and, what these and again, it's kind of crazy. It's like to, to think it's like oh, they okay, we finally reached the bottom. First, we're going to seal it up, and then we're going to start chunking explosives down there. Yeah, yeah. So, but this uh, this uh, opens up holes in the production casing, and now this is how the oil, uh, the petroleum, starts flowing in. Right. And that, that pressure keeps up for a while, but it, eventually it's going to decline. And so then you, you're going to have to bring in something like a pump and you're going to mm-hmm. maybe use some injections of gas, of oil or water mm-hmm. uh, to, to start bringing that petroleum yeah. up to the surface. Steam even. Yeah. And engineers can kind of tinker with the reservoir pressure and they can cause the petroleum to rise again. Yeah. It's like the kid at... Uh are we going with another yeah. analogy? This is a record analogy breaking podcast. It's like it's like the kid you see at like a McDonald's or whatever, and he's he's consumed most of his milkshake. Yeah, but there's still some milkshake left, so he's trying all sorts of ingenious things to try and suck it up. Yeah, and if he's young enough, you also see that what's the the soft spot on the top of a kid's head? Oh, you, like you see that part sort of dipping down because he's sucking so hard on the milkshake straw. But <laughs> I've never witnessed that. It doesn't really happen. But uh, but no, it's it's like it's like that. The milkshakes 
almost gone, but that's a valuable milkshake, and we're going to make sure that we get our uh, our money's worth out of this uh, this uh, particular drill site. Right. So now the oil's coming up. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, you know, it's not just a matter of barreling it up and you know sending it out to whatever country needs oil or wants oil. It's not the case, right? Yeah, it needs to be refined. I mean, this stuff has like dirt in it. <laughs> this is this is pretty pretty far from the stuff that ends up getting pumped into your car. Yeah, it's a mixture of crude yeah. oil, natural gas, water, and all sorts of cruddy sediments. And while a lot of oil refinement is going to take place onshore, um, you know, if you have an oil rig that's big enough, why not just build a refinery on top of that rig? Yeah, or have a uh, refining ship. I believe the, they sometimes do that as well. So we've gone down to the bottom of that uh, of, of of the drill site. But let's go back up to the top for yeah. a few minutes. Um, you're ba- you basically have two types of drilling platforms. Uh, the first kind we're going to look at is a mobile drilling platform. Right. And these are uh, used in conjunction with the exploratory drilling phase. Yeah. When you're not really sure what it, you know whether this uh, this drilling action is going to pan out, you don't want to invest in a huge rig, so mm-hmm. you're you're going to want to take you know more inexpensive, more mobile drilling platform. Yeah. Like uh, some of these are just like barges. Uh, there's a you know there are drilling ships. Which are really cool because uh, they have a, what's called a moon hole in the bottom. What's a moon hole? A moon hole is like imagine a swimming pool in the bottom of a of a ship, and except it, that swimming pool is the ocean. Huh. You know, it's like a hole in the bottom of the ship. Okay. Uh, and that the um, that, that this can go through. Um, so yeah, it's it's a ship with an oil rig mounted on the top of it. It's 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 pretty basic. Okay. Um, yeah. So you're gonna have. Another basic one would be your drilling barge, and this mm-hmm. is mostly going to be used for uh, shallow drilling in uh, non-ocean waters. Yeah, kind of like that one we talked about uh, uh, earlier in the swamp. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's, it's suitable for calmer waters, and yeah. uh, you, you need a tugboat to tug that thing out to the site, and then you're going to just anchor it in place. Mm-hmm. And bang, that's it. That's yeah. what you got for your mobile drilling platform. And but the, you like the jack-up. The jack-up's pretty cool because it's uh, it's kind of hard to explain. It's best uh, – there's a, there's a really cool picture of it in the article – uh, um, on the up the page that's about mobile drilling uh, platforms, and it's just um, it's kind of like a jack. Uh, it's um, like they they it's raised up yeah, on the, these these massive legs, mm-hmm, right? Yeah, and it has those legs retracted when they haul it out, and then it lowers the legs, which jacks itself up. So um, look at a picture of it because it's it's really cool. Yeah, and all this can be yours for uh, the price of maybe 180 million and 190 million. So when we do say that these are some of the inex- inexpensive uh drilling platforms, they are pretty darn expensive, yeah. but I guess if you're a big oil company, maybe you have that kind of cash lying around. I don't oh, know. Oh, you have that kind of cash lying around. Yeah. Yeah. And then there there are a couple other ones uh, along the lines of submersible and semi-submersible rigs. And this is basically, you know, incorporates a little bit of the drilling barge and the jack-up. So what you have going on here is you have your production facilities, and they're you know nice and elevated to you know be kept safe, and they're they're up on stilts, they're hundreds mm-hmm. of feet above these kind of pontoon like barges. Mm-hmm. And after the, reaching the drill site, the the crew floods the barge with water, and so after they flood them, the barges sink until they you know rest on the sea or the lake floor or whatever uh, body of water they yeah, happen to be in. It's kind of like imagine like and again here's another analogy, but okay, imagine a, like a giant dude. With floating feet, all right, with like big floating shoes, right? And he's like standing on the water. And then flood- Jesus? No, no, just <laughs> bear with me, all right? Imagine if you were standing on the surface of the water and your your shoes were floating. Yeah. And then you like, you know, uh, swamped your shoes and then you sank. 
Okay. Right? And then you suddenly you're up to your knees in the water <laughs> because your feet are on the bottom of the ocean instead of on the surface. Okay. I don't know if that helps at all, but that's basically how these things go. They go out there, then they flood the pontoons, and then the pontoons go from resting on the surface of the water to resting on the bottom of the ocean. Or in some cases, they're not resting on the bottom, but they're still anchoring it, you know? Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, you got stuff like your drill ship. Perfect. And this is just mostly an ocean-going vessel, yeah. but we already covered we already that. Covered that. So then the next type of uh, of oil rig are the uh, offshore drilling platforms. And these, right, and this is when you decide that you want to stay. Yeah, you're going to be here for the duration. You're going to put down roots, uh, you know, in a co- almost legs, literal fashion. Yeah. case may be. Yeah, and these vary from things that are essentially towers, just, you know, riveted right to the uh, the, the floor of the ocean, uh, to uh, things like the spar platforms that are in, like, such deep waters that there's there's no way that they could they could, you know touch the bottom of the ocean so they're just they go down to a certain uh, certain depth just to anchor you know and then we're talking like big concrete structures uh, and then they uh, they tether them in place with cables right the spar platform uh, can this is for the case where you absolutely need to drill a hole at a depth of 10,000 feet mm-hmm. so it's pretty it's pretty far down yeah yeah these are the the big the the bad boys, I guess you would say. And yeah. you know, one thing that you keep doing, or that you did in the article when you're writing it, is that uh, you, co- you sort of compare them to uh, all these very tall skyscrapers. Only these are reverse skyscrapers. Yeah. You know, so you picture how far down they're going, and and even farther if you think about you know building that tunnel into the earth too. Yeah, it's it gets ridiculous. Again, the lengths a um, an addict will go to to get his fix. You know, we'll we will build. So just, I mean. No matter what you think about uh, about offshore oil drilling uh, in the industry itself, the uh, process the tech, is pretty the, fascinating. Yeah, the process is amazing, and it's really a testament to uh, technological achievement. Um, but yeah, there are, um, it, we, we actually have a, a really awesome uh, illustration in the in the article. Thank you, Lee Dempsey, mm-hmm, in house illustrator. Yeah, that uh, that shows you uh, like several different varieties, and stacks shows them like side by side. So it'll give you a good idea of how, uh, say, a um, a compliant tower uh, differs from a fixed platform, which and how that differs from a C star platform. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it would take a lot of awkward analogies to try and tell you what they look like. <laughs> so, what if you wanted to work or live on uh, one of these oil rigs? Uh, it pays well, I understand. Yeah, uh, I mean, and there are a lot of people to keep you company. I mean, you might find yourself working with, you know, like a hundred other workers to keep the platform running. I think in the case of BP, um, there are 125 people working on that rig. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they, they compared it to the size of two football fields. So it's pretty, pretty ginormous. Yeah. And if you think about it, a lot of these are, in fact, going to be located far away from, from shore. So they have to have a lot of amenities. Um, and, and you're also going to have a lot of different people on it. You know, you need an in-house doctor. You need your engineers. You need your geologists. You need chefs. You mm-hmm. maybe you need a personal trainer. I don't know. Yeah. Um. And what I've heard, and what you read in your article, is also that y- salaries and benefits from working on these things are pretty good. Um. I don't know that I would necessarily be into it, or maybe you listeners would not be into it. But um. Well, hey, we might have some listeners out there who have worked on one. I would oh, love to hear about would, that. Yeah, we really would love to hear about mm-hmm. that. I, what it reminded me of is um, you do these long stretches at sea and then you have long periods off. It's kind of, you know, like a doctor who's on call mm-hmm. or works these crazy shifts, you know, seven to seven and then, you know, has five days off or something like that. And I think it really is pretty grueling, of course. If you guys have experience with this, like, tell us about it. We'd love to hear about it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it bears to be said that, of course, oil rigs aren't all jacuzzis and cafeterias. You know, outside of your living quarters, you're going to have... Um, 
constant encounter with some pretty crazy conditions and, of course, deadly conditions. Yeah, it, it can be a dangerous job, as uh, we've seen even in re- recent years. So that's that's basically the current face uh, of um, offshore uh, oil drilling. Uh, th- the interesting thing is that our current technology uh, does not permit us to reach, you know, all of the, the oil that's underneath the ocean. Uh, so the research continues, techniques continue to improve and figure out ways to, I mean, to not only reach, you know, titanic depths, uh, in, in the ocean itself, but also just dealing in, in, you know, with like freezing or, or boiling temperatures inside the earth. Uh, you know, it gets pretty advanced. So it's like there's, there's continues to be a lot of money out there for the guys that, uh, and gals that, uh, create the, the technology that'll reach even deeper into the earth. And there maybe is a lot of uh, money out there for those people who come up with, say, renewable sources of energy as well. Well, yeah, that, that too. That prevent us from having to uh, work in the North Sea with waves pitching and rolling all around us. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, like we said, we really would like to hear uh, from any of you guys if you have experience with uh, offshore oil or working on an oil rig. So send us an email at sciencestuff at howstuffworks.com. Yeah, and uh, be sure to check us out on Facebook and Twitter. On Facebook, uh, you can just look up stuff in the science lab, and on Twitter, we're uh, Lab Stuff, and uh, we try and uh, update those uh, those pages pretty constantly. All right, that's all we got today. Thanks for listening. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Want more How Stuff Works? Check out our blogs on the HowStuffWorks.com homepage. Top Thrill 2 is like no other course. Two 420-foot vertical speedways, three launches. All right, let's talk strategy. Copy that, driver. Go for maximum acceleration off the start. Measure that. You've got a short straightaway to push from 0 to 74 on the first vertical speedway. And what about the rollback? Rollback will set you up for an explosive reverse climb 420 feet in the sky so you reach 0 Gs in total weightlessness. 420 feet of straight-up speed. Let's get it. Top Thrill 2, the world's tallest and fastest triple-launch Stratocoaster. Get your tickets at cedarpoint.com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Today's episode is brought to you by Visible. The future of wireless is here, and it's transparent. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Just $25 a month, every month, taxes and fees included. No hidden fees, no surprises, no, really. What are you waiting for? Get with the times and switch to Visible at Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville.
Talladega, the Chicago street course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network.